just started that in 2014 just for Mangaplar. Like I didn't think it would go anywhere else. It was like just for my community. Well, day and welcome back to another episode of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Ollie Laleve, and as always, thanks for joining me on Wadawurrung Country. I'd like to extend my respects to the traditional owners on the lands wherever you're taking our podcast this week. This week, I'm sitting down with Ginny Stevens. She's the founder of Active Farmers, and we're going to jump into that whole story. But Ginny's just finished her first week of sending her twins off, and they started school. So... She's someone who's no stranger to being busy, if we want to use that word. Well, having a schedule jam-packed. It doesn't sound like it's going to get any quieter anytime soon. If we jump in, Ginny, I think for me, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to meeting you at the Xander Summit in March, but I've first followed the Active Farmers story. I think it must have popped up on social media and there was a story of what you guys were doing. I think it might have been out of Tasmania. And so... I'm really interested to find out more about your story because I know in kind of a similar way, you went through that piece of you were working for someone and had this passion project bubbling away on the side and then you ended up pursuing it full time. But at the moment, I know you've just had a huge weight. Your twins started school. So how was that? Yeah, they started school and um, I... I've been, to be honest, a bit of an emotional wreck. I think I, I, I didn't expect to kind of, feel that way because they're just so excited and they're so ready to go and it's just it's what they need and um I suppose just find myself questioning you know have I done enough or have I spent enough time with them or have I prepared them well enough for school uh have I worked too much and not spent enough time with them and you know where's all the time gone all these things like running through my mind but uh but seeing them um picking them up after their first couple of days they're just so happy and they really want to go back so um that's kind of made it a little bit easier but um yeah I sort of find myself feeling a bit lost when they're not here but um certainly we'll get used to that I bet and have they come back with stories of the different friends and different activities and their teacher and everything else yeah so they've got different teachers and yeah one of them um loves lego so he's thrilled because there's lego in his classroom and the other one likes the playground they're so different so yeah they're um no they're all all smiles so that's um that makes it definitely a lot easier yeah Yeah. oh it's cool as well that they're in separate classes so they're they're not necessarily are they competitive with each other they're not competitive with each other yet but they're very reliant on each other so they do everything together they've always have from you know 24 7 they're always together and so it's great for them to be a bit separate so they can start to develop a little bit of independence and like make their own decisions for themselves not just what the other one's doing or or um you know their own little games and probably their own little language they had for a while going so yeah it's really good to kind of separate them and develop themselves a little bit without each other but they can still play in the playground, so so that's good. I'll see plenty of each other and they can borrow each other's homework and all those little things that can go on in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And you've had a, a pretty big 12 months because I think we'll probably work our way back through the story, but the last 12 months you you actually stepped back from the role as CEO of Active Farmers. Um, like how would you describe what your day job is now and, and what you're up to? Yeah, so that's been a massive change in my life. Uh, Active Farms is kind of like my fourth child in a way. Uh, so at the moment, I'm, um, I suppose it's almost a little bit like maternity leave in reverse. So it, it was a family decision because uh, the kids were, it was about six months ago, I stepped back or a little bit longer um, just to spend more time with them and then when they go to school I just really wanted to be there for them and present for them um, and also there was just an opportunity on our farming business in our farming business at home for me to step in and um, do some work on the farm so I'm doing um, a couple of days on the farm a bit out in the field uh, a bit in the office and um, 
and that's been a really really positive thing for, to be more involved within the business uh, been, been really enjoying that um I, I haven't worked on a farm for a very long time so i'm sort of uh, I think my husband looks at me sometimes and shakes me <laughs> like, what are you doing? Um, what are you doing that for? So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what, and I'm still on the board of Active Farmers and I'm still taking my classes at Mangapar, like the same classes as I did from day one. So that's um, that's still going. So, um, yeah, I'm still quite involved with Active Farmers, but not, not so much in the you know day-to-day grind, but um, more from a strategic level. Um, and yeah, just loving working on the farm and just being home a bit more and just being there for, for the family a bit more than I probably was. Yeah. So, no, so it's good. Yeah. I had a previous guest and I, I, I often put it to our guests to say, well, what's a question of something they're wondering that we can ask someone else. But, um, a previous guest asked, what's something that you do outside your day job, which benefits you inside it? And by the sounds of it, you wear lots of different hats. So is there something you do outside that benefits kind of those respective jobs or do they complement each other? Uh, so for me, um, and I suppose this is kind of why Active Farmers started in the first place. Like I love um, health and I, I used to love team sport um, and just keeping fit. Uh, so outside of work, I do... I probably have too many hobbies. I've had to kind of narrow them down <laughs> a little bit. But, like, I just love um, the feeling of keeping fit. So I like my running. Um, I've always been into my horses. So I've got a horse and my daughter has a horse. And then just love snow skiing. Um, so I've, I've just tried to, like, I've had to narrow them down to those three um, sports. So, yeah, I just think that, you know, if you can look after you and your health and be as healthy as you, as you can with what constraints you may have around you, uh, it just makes life easier, not only for you feeling better and having more energy and being having a clearer mind, like better mental health, but then it also makes life better for everyone around you as well. So I'm probably super cranky if I don't, you know, if I'm not moving enough or I'm not, getting any time just for me on my own I probably am get you know I I will be just more irritable so yeah for me like having just that sport element in my life is really important and then the sense of having a connection to community so still taking my active farmers classes like I'm taking those classes for the community but I also love that connection that I get to see the community members each week as well so um yeah definitely health is like a big part of my life because out, outside of my work because I just know how much it benefits me and everyone around me and um, decisions we make and how that affects the business or whatever job I'm doing it, yeah it's quite quite massive for me and that little town of Mangapla <laughs> tell me a little bit about it and some of the people that you get yeah. through that active farmers group yeah, so Mangapla is half an hour south of Wagga and there's about 100 people that live in the community and surrounding community. And so at the moment, uh, and it, it's sort of like I've got some of the people who came from the first class ever, which was March 2014. So it's been nearly nine years actually since I've been taking classes there. So I've still got some of the same original active farmers which is awesome and then over the years there's been people that have come and gone um with you know through having children or sort of more winding down their exercise or or what have have you but at the moment like i've got a real mix of some young farmers which is awesome um some older farmers then i've got community members that are that are not farmers um women like my parents-in-law, <laughs> who um, uh, Vicky's turning 70 this year and Mike's already 70, so some older people. So a real mixed bag, like someone who's just had a stroke and recovering from that. So a real mixed bag. And the beauty of the way that the Active Farmers classes are designed is that um, it's all time-based. So rather than saying, all right, everyone, we're going to go and run 10 laps of the oval, it's just not going to work. So it'll be, okay, in five minutes, 
see how much of this, this and this you can do so everyone can go at their own pace, um, which is awesome. And, it, you know, it's really, it's really nice to kind of have such a diverse mixture of people that come to class because you wouldn't normally see those people around. Um, you know, life, people, life gets busy and what have you. And uh, so that, that's also really nice to have that community connection with people you wouldn't necessarily see or know. And so a really silly question, how do you, like, how do you make it work? Do the, it's obviously of a night time or a morning or something? Yeah, so uh, for our community, I take Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Friday mornings at 6am. So people can come before or after work. Uh, when I was on maternity leave, I did do a little mums and bubs type class um, for a while there when a few of us were having babies and that was that was quite nice as well. Um, but yeah, generally the before and after work is um, how you make it work. Definitely I struggle more to get people to get up at 6 o'clock. <laughs> Um, there's more people in the afternoon. So I think, why? It's like, it's so good to just get up and get it done. And, you know, you're up and going early and your day just flows and you start your weekend. But anyway, it's always, it's always a hard one. <laughs> Different people. <laughs> that, especially in winter, I can imagine it's pretty hard to drag yourself out of bed in that little, little pocket yeah, just south of Wagga. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is hard. But it's probably nowhere near as cold as where you actually grew up. So in Tassie, were you on a farm? I grew up, if you have, so you have Launceston and then you go up the river about half an hour and then you come to a place called Rowella on the Tamer River. So I spent a lot of my childhood there, not all of my childhood. Uh, so I grew up on a farm there and we had just a mixed farm. Uh, and I was just really fortunate because I had two sets of cousins, you know, within one of them was in walking distance. The other one were just a two-minute drive, and the other and the other cousins were only you know twenty minutes away. So we had a, and a, you know some other families in the area. So we had a really nice community, mostly made up of family, but it was a very very special upbringing. Um, had a lot of influence on my grandparents lived on the farm as well, and saw a lot of my my parents. So I had a, a very very fortunate upbringing. Um, down in Tassie so yeah spent a fair bit of my probably till I was about 12 or something lived there and then um, mum and dad leased the farm and we lived about halfway between the farm and Launceston for the second half of my childhood so yeah very very fortunate. And because I read that you went and became a jiller up in the territory was that like how, how did that come about was that just a dream to get somewhere a whole lot warmer and as far away from Tasmania as you could? <laughs> Yeah, well, um, I do actually have rainoid disease and the doctor told me to move somewhere warmer. I'm like, oh, that's helpful when you're sick yeah. <laughs> you're living in Tassie. Anyway, no, I literally, I always had a horse. So I loved my horses and I used to embarrassingly read like every single Jillaroo book under the sun, all of Rachel Treasure's books. And um, I, uh, I remember finishing school and... Um, dad said to me why don't you go and be Jillaroo and I said oh, I don't I don't think I couldn't do that and I mean yes you could so we got in touch with Anna Brown recruitment and then I got a job within a week um, on a property just south of Northern Territory oh just just sorry 10 minutes west of Catherine in the Northern Territory um, with CPC at the time and um, yeah I absolutely loved it I really really enjoyed it it's a a fantastic thing to do. Were you tempted to stay there for longer or did you did the lure of university and kind of getting on with life come through too strongly? Yeah, absolutely. I've really thought about staying there for longer. Uh, but I, I did ag science at Melbourne Uni and the course I was doing, its last intake was happening the, the next year. So it was the, the way the course was structured was changing. So I really wanted to do that particular course so I did I did have to come home um, because you can kind of get stuck in a bit of a bubble up there um, and it's just it's like living in a different world and you don't sort of see much outside of what's going on outside of where you are so it's pretty easy to kind of you know and it also depends on uh, what what crew you land I had some a really fantastic um group of people that were working there so that made it a lot 
um, a lot more enjoyable, I think, than some people can experience up there. Yeah. And like, were you shipped off there solo? And I think, like, what were your first impressions when you yeah. actually arrived up there near Catherine? Uh, I just, yeah, so I'd barely been out of Tasmania. I, I got a flight to, didn't understand the concept of changing time zones. And <laughs> I thought I'd miss my plane because I was, you know, I hadn't changed my watch or whatever. And uh, yeah, went to Darwin and then got a bus to Catherine. And I just remember it was just so unbelievably hot <laughs> because it was um, just the end of the wet season. Um, yeah, and I remember, yeah, it, it was just such an eye opener for me. But I just was so lucky that the the people that I was working with were really welcoming and, and really nice. And um, and then we had a, like a two week camp with all the other jewelries and jackaroos and Catherine so that was great to meet them and I think the best part of it was for me was like we got allocated four horses and I just thought oh this is awesome <laughs> yeah. I've got four horses and you know we're riding every day and I, and I really so that um, that part I really enjoyed and it was just such a night and I, um, so yeah that was awesome what was the most challenging aspect of it all it just you know long days in the saddle and just being, I just remember being just so incredibly thirsty and you just, and you just have to go all day. And, um, yeah, so it it does definitely build up a lot of resilience. Um, I think just really, it does challenge you. It does push you, but it just makes you realize that, you know, you can actually do more than you think that you can. Um, and just helps kind of break down some of those barriers around, around, um, confidence and all, all those sorts of things. We, we recently did a, a little collab where one of the station cooks, she actually works for Consolidated Pastoral Company, um, shared what a day in the life oh, yeah. was. And <laughs> when I saw the breakfast, I just couldn't get over it. It was like steak, spaghetti and something else. And I was like, that is honestly just the breakfast yeah, of champions. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bacon, eggs. I, I couldn't, I, was, I think I ate cornflakes for breakfast for a year. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember my parents came up to stay and we got back from a camp and someone said, oh, Ginny, the whole of Tasmania's here. But I was a little bit embarrassed because they had, there were sort of five five couples and they'd all set their tents up on the lawn and they were all there waiting. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> so then they came out and on the, um, on the for, to see one of the musters and, and they also all just absolutely loved it as well. <laughs> Um, so that was quite special to have them to come stay. I bet. And that shell sinking moment probably passed on and now it's just a good memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, it's Nick here, sheep farmer and Rabobank Regional Client Council member. I'm passionate about supporting our local community so we can improve community wellbeing and build strong local economies. My job as a client council member is to help secure funding for regional grassroots initiatives. Those that support education in ag, rural health, sustainability and help bridge the country-city divide. We've helped organisations like Boys to the Bush, funded school field days like Ag Vision and held succession planning workshops, just to name a few. If you have an idea to make a difference to regional Australia, go to our website at www dot rabobank.com.au and nominate via our community fund. We'd love to hear from you. And then like I'm really fascinated by the active farmer story and how it actually came about. But I think probably what might help people who haven't actually come across active farmers. Can you run us back to what you were doing at the time when you came up with the idea and what was it that you were actually trying to create? Yeah, sure. So at the time, it was 2013, and I was working. I didn't ever think I'd do banking, but I was working in agribusiness banking uh, up at Wagga, and that's so I, that's how I met my husband because I got moved up this way, and then uh, I'd moved out to the farm at Mango, and I was just I didn't really know anyone, and I suppose growing up in a little community, I was kind of thinking, well, you do need people in the community to play some kind of role, like do their bit to keep things going so I was thinking like how am I going to do my bit how am I going to get to know people um, and then at the same time I was kind of thinking a lot was on my mind about mental health 
of farmers and farming communities, high risk of suicide. And, you know, like I just absolutely loved everything about growing up on a farm and I was so happy to be living in the country again. And, you know, it's the best place to live in the world, right? Like why, and everyone that lives in the bush, like they love it. They live and breathe it. They choose to live there. But with that choice to live in the bush has these conditions that, uh, you know, that challenges that are outside of your control. So, you know, um, floods, fires, droughts, financial stress, succession planning, commodity price risk. You have um, isolation, like the herd animals are not meant to be alone a lot. There's a lot of farmers that are alone a lot. Some farmers are not, not all farmers, but some I get myself into trouble and not as active as they used to be. <laughs> a lot of them have bad backs, like nine out of 10 farmers you ask, what, you know, they have a bad back in which they're in pain. And then, you know, they're pretty stoic, tough people. I think stigma is definitely being broken down around mental health and um, reaching out. But, you know, there's not a lot of services in many areas. So if someone has recognised I'm not doing very well, like there's a massive barrier there to actually get help then. Um, so, you know, there's a lot. So then when you think of all those challenges, like it's kind of like a perfect storm when you, when you look at, break them all down and look at it from that perspective and a lot of things that are just outside of your control it's nothing you can do about a lot of these challenges um and then i started thinking about uh my the influence that team sports had on my life and uh at the time i I like it keep fit feel good see my friends like that's about all i thought of it when you kind of look a little bit deeper like delve into that um team sport effect is like you are you not only exercising great for physical and mental health but you you're with a team and you see your teammates every day so you have that connection to others and a sense of belonging which is a basic human being need and so if someone doesn't turn up to training they're going to get a call like where were you today is everything all right if someone is just their behavior changes the team are going to notice. Whereas if you don't see people regularly, you're just not in the, in the you know, you're not in as good a position to notice if behavior is changing or because, you know, you bump into people at the corner store, it's pretty easy to put on a, a brave face mm. if something's not going very well or if someone's not traveling very well. So, um, so that's kind of what I refer to as like the team sport effect. And I thought, by trying to mimic that, I could start active farmers at Mangaflar. Like, yes, we're not going to have the competition of the game or whatever, but we're going to bring everyone in as though they're going to footy training or netball training. Because sometimes, like, once people hang up those footy boots or stop playing netball, like, that's it for exercise ever. Like, done. Mm. And so, you know, then they're just catching up at the pub. So it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to try and get them to get off the farm, out of the house, couple of times a week catch up regularly get their heart rates up and just go home feeling stronger both physically and mentally without even really realizing or thinking about it just kind of happening in the background so that's kind of how the light bulb moment I suppose for active farmers came about and I so that started got my PT ticket while I was working at Rabo on the weekends I'd be studying away and then um I yeah, it just started that in 2014, just for Mangaplar. Like, I didn't think it would go anywhere else. It was, like, just for my community. So, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of how it started. And I suppose that then the Ewer and Quinty, they reached out a few months later. So I was going over there and then I was kind of like maxed out. Um, and then fast forward probably 18 months was when I actually left my job to work on active farmers full-time because there just had been a lot of interest and just kind of wanted to see where it could go. Uh, and I think I probably always knew that while I did, I was very lucky to have my job. I just probably knew it wasn't really for me. Um, you know, deep down, I sort of thought there's probably something else I can do. And then, so I formed a partnership with Delta Ag. So then it was no longer just me. Then I was working with Delta Ag and then this massive network of people um 
And that's kind of, so that's kind of how it all started. We've got a bit to unpack there, but I, I'd love to <laughs> step back. That that piece of actually deciding to to leave the bank and make the decision. Did you were you running on a whim, or what was running through your head in terms of pursuing this? And what kind of position, I guess, were you in? What were the things that you'd weighed up to actually then go? You know what? I'm going to chase this. Yeah. So, well, I had had a different business show interest in sponsoring the program and that didn't eventuate and then i had a friend beck millican who was working she's on maternity leave now still at delta but working in hr and she said i you know i really think delta will sponsor this so i got a video made and sent it to them and then had a meeting with jared hines the managing director there and then within two weeks he said here's 40 grand we want to partner with you um, we'd love to see if we can expand active farmers. So that gave me enough confidence to go, okay, um, I just I have to just explore this avenue. It was really risky. And then do you know what happened? I resigned and two weeks later I found out I was having twins. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, this is not this is not good. I remember telling Beth and Joe like, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm having twins. Like I, I didn't know. And um, so, you know, there goes all that security around your job and your maternity leave and everything like that. And um, uh, which, yeah, so that never really driven me, I suppose. But um, they were so supportive and that like, hey, let's just, let's just manage it. You know, what do you want to do? And I said, I, I think I want to just keep going. Um, and so they were so incredibly supportive and um, so we just soldiered on, I suppose. Um, yeah, so that was – so I think, like, just having that having that partnership with Delta did give me enough um, confidence or, you know, to, to just take that leap. And it wasn't easy. It was really – it was risky. I think some of my family were like, this is – are you sure you really want to do this? And – yeah, so it, I just had like a kind of a gut feeling that, no, this is what I need to do and um, definitely no regrets. It's a pretty powerful thing. I was, I was going to ask my next question, which um, one part might have been to find out that you were going to have twins, but what's something you know now that would have been really helpful for you to know when you were making that leap? Uh, I think just, you know, you, you kind of, in conversations with people, you do develop a bit of a sense of, oh, I'm getting just really positive vibes around this idea. But then you're never really sure whether people are just being nice to you, going, giving you that false sense of, oh, yeah, great idea, love it, yep, go on, you should try it. And then but in their minds they're like, oh, I don't know about that, but I'll just be nice because she seems really keen to... <laughs> to um, <laughs> to explore that avenue which literally does happen and so oh god i can um i'm with you on that one <laughs> you would relate to that oh tell me what you don't like about it i feel, I feel it would have been handier rather than just saying it's a great idea yeah 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 um but i think just really you know just trusting that you know you you you've got to trust your gut feel i think as well but you do having some kind of evidence that there's a potential that it can work, you do kind of need that as well. But I think probably the biggest mistake I made was originally I wanted to start Active Farmers out as a charity. And then I had some advice like, don't do a charity. You've got to report to a board. You've got to do all this reporting. Like just be a company and don't do that. So I it started out as a company and within about, six months or less than that, four months. I was like, this is not the right model for active farmers because it's not about the money. Um, it's about impact. And, you know, we're on purpose targeting little communities who have no services and hardly any people because the towns are already serviced. Like the bigger inland cities are already serviced. So no point going there. Um, 
we want to bring something to the community. And that's not necessarily a commercially viable business model in all communities because some communities, you know, have 50 people, but they matter. And so then um, it was about six months later, I thought I did suggest um, to Delta, hey, could we just convert to a charity? Because I think people, you know, had different businesses approach me about sponsorship, but then when they found out it was a company, oh, no, no, we are not we can't sponsor you because it'll end up in your back pocket. That was a lot of, comp, you know. So I kind of took another leap of faith and went, I think there's so much interest for this program. I think we need to turn into a charity. And that was a really, really good move because it was probably through that or die. And again, I think some people thought, you know, you've tried, it didn't work. Why, you know, <laughs> maybe just go back to the bank or whatever. But uh, no, I just had this sort of gut feel that this is this is the right model for us. And so I think we had our first board meeting the night before I had an emergency Caesar, and I didn't wasn't present on that one. Um, so it all kind of was all happening at the same time as these twins and, and active farmers. And um, but I just had you know so much support and amazing people that were all pitching in by then so yeah so that was like you know that would have been useful to know in the beginning that it was the right model for for active farmers but you know you live in your land absolutely you do did you did you get close to throwing in the towel at all and going like just exercising that fallback option of oh well i can just go back to the bank or whatever it might have been no but stupidly, I, I even look back now and think, what was I thinking? Like, it was just, I just never, never. And I just think that you, you've got to be all in. You can't have those kind of doubts in your mind because then it's all over. Mm. Like, you just have to be 100% in for it to work. So I just felt like the moment, the second that I started to go, maybe we should just forget it that'd be the end of it. Yeah. So, no, I didn't. I just, yeah, just had, like, faith that it was going to work, which is, again, pretty stupid, but I just... No, but it has. <laughs> I don't know. And I actually yeah. think, well, on that, that's probably something that I really need to hear in, in the sense of, I think, like, how I'm thinking about humans of ag and everything at the moment is it's... Invincibility is not the right word, but I feel like there's a real superpower in the confidence you get knowing that, like the only thing to come out of all of this is going to be upside. So if it works, it's going to be yeah. awesome. If it doesn't work, well, there's still going to be all those learnings and things um, that Absolutely. I get out of it. But yeah. at this stage, there's no kind of reason to show why it's not working. And um, yeah. we're going all right. Yeah, no, I talked to you about that a while ago. And, yeah, I think, yeah, it's just amazing what happens when you just all in and you've got to believe in it. Yeah, well, there's no fallback, is there? <laughs> no, because once you start not believing in it, then no one else is going to do it for you. Like, uh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. As you're building a team, and, and this is a, an interesting thing, I'm asking this really from my lens as well of being super curious about this, but what were the characteristics that yeah. you were looking for people and how did you actually bring them into this vision, which was, Ginny's vision of active farmers, but then actually, I guess, finding the right people in the right seats to make all that happen. Yeah, so, well, first, the first part of the team was forming the board. And so I had Jared Hines and Beck Milliken, or she's now Rogers from Delta. And then it might sound a little bit strange, but I actually asked my dad to chair the, the board. And then... I'd love to know had, why that is. Um, well, I, you know, I he's he's very very good at business, and he's um, just good at kind of making things happen and helping make hard decisions. And I guess I've always just really valued his input and um, his advice. But sometimes, you know, when you are making tricky decisions, it is just great to have someone that's like, boom, this is what we're doing, and move on. 
and mm. that was great in those early stages to get established he's um i've let him go now as chair he's <laughs> he's off the hook now but um yeah it was just really yeah he, he just has always been you know he's always loved coaching and he's always you know i've just always really valued what what he has to say and, and his input and support um he's always sort of really helped me with um also with my belief in what we're doing as well so um remember i said to him dad you know what would you think about being the chair and he said oh, i'd absolutely love to and um so that was that was great and um then we had a you know i needed a solicitor we needed someone in comms we needed a you know accountant like we needed a mix of people so that was how he sort of formed the board and um and then so then we sort of traveled along a bit like that and i remember uh it was um it was a couple maybe a year later and we were on a holiday at noosa and i was um with mum and dad were there and i just was working a lot and they were like you you need some help like you really so then uh then i we had a, a lady in tassie who started working she had um finished up in her job and was looking for a different job and it just really matched well and that was awesome because she was had fantastic skills in administration in putting documents together and and um that just freed up my time to go out and be doing what what i needed to do whereas not not being bogged down doing invoices and trying to work zero and you know the jack of all trades have no idea how to do zero or any of that stuff so having her come along was just awesome so from that point we had another massive surge in um in growth and so that was an absolute turning point um and then yeah from that point onwards like we just we just kept growing and growing and then so we'd sort of outgrow what we could do and then we would need to put someone else on and then and that process is still happening today so but i just always sort of would think these people just seem to descend from the heavens <laughs> and arrive and i just like pinch myself thinking like how on earth did we find all these people that are just so willing to pitch in and help so there's like today there's 61 communities that Active Farmers is operating in. So there's just there's 42 or three or maybe four Active Farmers trainers. And then there's uh, three trainer managers who manage those trainers. There's our CEO, Justin, and our office manager. And then we've started doing a whole bunch of events. So we have Sammy in Sydney who's helping with events. And so, and then our board has changed over the years. We've had new people join and, um, and it just it just blows my mind where these people come from and just arrive at the exactly at the right time and just uh, you know it's amazing just what you can achieve when you have like-minded people who are all kind of rallying around like a common purpose and vision and and goal and how powerful that can be and how people are just drawn to that um, it just always amazes me. Um, so we had like one and one board member sort of got out of my head a bit of a mess of what how I was communicating what Active Farmers was and like drilled it into a vision of building stronger and more resilient farming communities and then now that's everyone knows that um, and so that yeah so that you know they're just so fortunate with all with the team because that's and that our active farms is just built on people. It's not bricks and water. It's it's people. Um, so we're very very lucky. And it's amazing when you're on a, a good thing like that. How the I'll say the mess that could be created actually just sorts itself out. Like something always gives way, and the pieces of the puzzle just yeah. slot in, don't they? Yep. And then it's just been a really beautiful thing, like the agri corporates who have corporate social responsibility can see the benefit of an active farmers program being delivered to their customer base who are then for being provided the opportunity to have like a proactive approach to their health and so 
we've just formed these really close relationships with heaps of different agribusinesses, which is which has also been absolutely crucial to um, to our growth. It takes the little communities and then the the much bigger one as well to keep the wheels turning. Yeah, 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 definitely. So something I, I have been wondering. So last year you mentioned that you had stepped back as CEO and you'd been building this baby for quite a number of years. What were the drivers behind the decision, which I think you, you touched on at the beginning, but what was it actually like to kind of go, you know what, everything that I've built up until this point, I, I'm happy to trust with someone else. Um, and what was that like for you? Yeah, I, um, so I had, I had my third baby, Will, and he, so the twins were two and a half when he arrived. And um, then I had, did, had some maternity leave and I came back. And I went on, and I was loving it coming back. And I went on a McKinsey leadership course, and just it was like a two-week intensive course. And I just out out of I don't think this is the intention of the course, but after I went on that course, I thought there's just so much opportunity, and there's for active farmers and me as a leader. Like there's so much room for me to grow and improve. But I'm maxed out. I I can't, I actually can't do, squeeze any more out of what I have to give. And like, you know, I've given my whole heart and soul into, into active farmers. And it probably took me about six months to actually say that out loud is like, I don't think I can do this anymore because it needs to go, it needs to keep going. It needs to keep benefiting more people. And it needs to keep growing and the demand is there. But I can't give any more and go with that. Um, and so it was a really hard decision. And I thought, you know, it, it's probably me um, it, being selfish and trying to hang on to it is probably going to prevent it from going where it needs to go. And um, so that was a really hard thing to deal with. And I just felt like it was starting to affect my family too much and consume. I was just totally consumed with it every day. I wasn't, wasn't meant to be working every day, but, you know, I just was consumed by it all the time. And so I, so it took me about six months to say it out loud and then it took me probably another three months to tell the board. It was a long, <laughs> drawn-out process, but I was just so terrified of people being really disappointed in me for giving up on it. And um, and what I got was a total reverse of that, and people were just really supportive of the decision that I was making, and and that really surprised me because I thought people would think, oh, so what? You're just going to build this up to this and then just leave it? And no one, no one looked at it that way. I think people looked at it as though that's a really hard decision to make, and you're putting your family first, so everyone's got that that's you know that you know your family are number one like you can't you can't um well for me anyway they're they're number one and they probably weren't being treated as number one um and you know not just my husband who's been amazing through the whole um journey he's been so supportive but it did put a lot of pressure on my parents and my parents in law as well to have to go away a fair bit so um yeah, so I just kind of felt that it was the right thing to do. Um, yeah, so that was sort of mid-year mid last year that you know, it was about May, I think, mid-May that made the change. So, yeah, it was quite, quite a big big, um, a big thing in my life to, to change. Maybe. It's huge. And I think there's probably lots of people, though, that are in awe of that ability to go, you know what, actually, this is where I'm at with this thing, but actually there's something more important and I guess having the guts to actually make that call, there's probably lots of people who are going, wow, I wish I was that courageous with what I do, but I'll stick in the hamster wheel of just running round and round and round. So, Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, just sort of just taking that step back and going, it's not about me anymore. Like, yes, I started it, but it's so much bigger than just me. I'm not that big a deal. So it's going to be fine without me there. And 
I'm going to be on the board. I'm going to be around if people want to talk to me. I'm still probably follow it a bit too creepily <laughs> with what's <laughs> happening. Like I know, you know, I, I really keep a really engaged eye over it. So it's not as though I've dropped off the face of the earth and just totally walked away from it. So um, I think that that kind of helped in the in the decision making that uh, that I'd still have lots of involvement, but just not you know the daily grind. I suppose it was definitely not a not an easy thing to do, but I think it's been the right decision looking back. Definitely. Well, it sounds like yeah. you're you're very content with where it's at. And so, what is next? for for you and for active farmers what does the next few years and things look like what are the goals and aspirations so active farmers is in 61 communities now we have got 20 in the pipeline to start this year oh my gosh so <laughs> that's a lot of communities uh so you know that that's a big priority for us is is um facilitating that and that means fundraising so that's a big focus for us at the moment is um, to have just such a big, it's always kind of been a bit of a a, gen, a gentle kind of increase, but to have it sort of go boom like that is, um, yeah, it does require, so that so that's a big focus for us at the moment is fundraising for, for that because that needs to happen and it's that part of our strategic plan. And um, we have got lots of events as well that we do like fun runs, Active Farmers Games, Charity Bike Rides. They're all on our website, the ones that are coming up in the next few months. Um, so, you know, continuing that because then give the community-driven events gives people something to train for and, and do and, you know, meet other active farmers and things like that. So um, growth is kind of where that's, a, you know, that's where we're at without um, and, and being sustainable. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's hard to get that belt. And, um, yeah, then uh, on on the farm at home in my, my new job as a Jillaroo <laughs> working for my husband, um, yeah, we kind of um, we have just expanded the business uh, significantly. So, um, so I'm really enjoying sort of working in that bit out on the field, bit in the office, um, supporting my husband and and contributing to the business is is really I'm loving it and you know I actually have always wanted to be a farmer since I was grew up on a farm so that's kind of a bit of a dream come true for me <laughs> and um yeah just spending just spending a lot more time being a mum and um as I said earlier sort of maternity leave in reverse um for me so um yeah so that's sort of what will be will be happening in the future yeah it sounds like the Perfect little mix of things you've got for the next little while to keep you occupied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. One, yeah, no, I'm very one final question I'm going to ask you, and it's one I ask everyone on the podcast, but if you get the chance to go and chat to your 10 students about the opportunities and why they could should consider a career in agriculture, what would you say to them? Yeah, I have heard you ask people this <laughs> Once question. or twice. <laughs> <laughs> when I was at school, I, I did, I mean, times have changed a lot now, but I did want to be involved in the ag industry. I always loved it. But I kind of felt like I should be doing something like teaching or I wasn't, we weren't living on a farm anymore. So I didn't know if I had, if I was entitled to pursue that kind of career. Uh, that, you know, if I put my hand up and say, I want to work in ag, that people would question like, well, what do you want to do that for? You don't, you know, you, you shouldn't be doing that. So I think if I was talking to year 10 students, just giving them the confidence that it doesn't matter what your background is and it doesn't matter what your parents have done or what your friends are doing or uh, what you think people think you should do. If you have interest in being outside, um, in nature, in animals, in food, in marketing or anything like that, there's a place for you in the ag industry because it's just such a big industry now. I mean, it's producing food, so that's awesome to be involved in that. And um, so there's there's a place for almost every type of career within that. But just knowing that you don't need to have a C 
sense of entitlement to go down that path. If you have no idea what ag is, it doesn't matter because there'll be a place for you. I think sometimes that's, you know, well, that's just sort of from my experience, but hopefully it's not, you know, people are a bit open, more open-minded now about, about going down that path. Yeah, I think that's more or less what I would say. Yeah, I couldn't agree more in terms of all the different opportunities and pathways and different backgrounds and, like, there's no linear path into agriculture like now. You can come in from mm. anywhere and you can go anywhere kind of within it and who knows what that looks like in the next yeah. 10 years as well. It's just continuing to evolve um, as the importance of sustainable food is demanded. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's really exciting and I just kind of think that, you know, sometimes the I was listening to that um, your episode with Warren, the Unbreakable Farmer, um, you know, he was talking about leaving school and going into ag and didn't want people to think, oh, you know, I dropped out of school so I had to go into ag. Like I think sometimes perception is that you don't have to be very smart or, you know, the old battler farmer. But there's some seriously savvy, and you know better than anyone, like seriously savvy business people out there who run the most amazing businesses and have to make incredibly difficult decisions. And, you know, you need a lot of brain power to be doing that. And um, it's exciting and, it, you know, it's not daggy. It's, um, it's a really exciting industry and I think sometimes it's not the right light is not shown on those businesses. It's a lot of the time it is how much they're struggling, not celebrating how well some of them are doing. Mm. Um so it's a really, really exciting industry to be in. Absolutely. Well, and I'm excited for for you as you take this next step alongside your husband with the growing business and the growing family and everything else that comes with that. But thank you so much for coming and spending a bit of time with us on a sunny Sunday afternoon. No worries. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Ollie. See you soon. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I think... What I was really keen to chat with Ginny about and have her reflect on was that self-confidence that came with pursuing her own project and just the learnings that came from active farmers. And I think as she talked about the importance of building a board and the team around her, it's definitely something which has got me thinking about what are our next steps and where are we heading um, in the future and who are the people we're really going to need to support us and in what kind of capacity and roles. If you haven't checked out our other podcast, In The Know, On The Go, it's a quick, short, sharp, 15-ish minutes designed to get people across the things that matter in Aussie agribusiness. If you haven't checked it out, follow the link in the show notes. Look after yourselves, stay safe, stay sane. And also a quick note that on the 15th of Feb, we'll actually be running our own yoga class. So if you're keen to get around that, sign up. <laughs>